950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good morning and welcome to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or AM 1260 WBIX, depending where you're listening and what day you're listening on. Saturday mornings were live, Sunday nights were not. Maybe we're lively, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, the weather, well, the weather's been cold, it's been windy, and the Farmer's Almanac is predicting, and this is a quote, a doozy. And with us on the phone from Michelin is Ron Magadonna, who's been on the program before. And uh, you know, when you when you hear words like it's going to be a doozy, Ron, uh, it makes me it makes me think of two years ago here in New England where we had I don't know a hundred thousand inches of snow. <laughs> good morning, John. It's always good to be with you. Um, yes, doozy is uh, is a very appropriate word, and I do remember. I think it was two years ago where you got that. Uh, I think it was like a hundred inches of snow in a very short amount of time. So I guess the message is the snow can come when you least expect it, or very quickly. So you know, it's, it, the key is be prepared, kind of like a Boy Scout memo. Yeah, it it really is. It's really about uh I and you know, I think I think the line came from the Boy Scouts, but I'm not really sure and it's uh you know, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Right. <laughs> so so, um, so what do people need to do? Well, um I think the first thing you need to do is make sure that your car, your vehicle, whether it be a passenger car, minivan or SUV or pickup truck is equipped for winter's worst uh, environment that could come, you know, it very quickly. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things that, you know, we recommend that people, you know, do to winterize their car. You know, first of all is, uh, you know, make sure that you have an emergency kit within the car because you just never know uh, if you were unfortunate to be in an accident or even if you were tied up in traffic where there was an accident, you know, near you. And, you know, you're, you're immobilized. So that's, it's a good to have emergency uh, kit in there, which would include things like, um, you know, survival, which would be a blanket, water, flares, a shovel, flashlight, extra batteries, even a cell phone charger. You know, it's just wise to be prepared just in case you do get stranded. So that's probably number one because that's safety related. Now, yeah, yeah, and on top of that, you know, one thing that sometimes people forget about their emergency kit you know, it seems like everybody now takes some sort of medication for something. Put a little bit of uh, whatever your medication is tucked away in there too. If you're a if you're a diabetic and you need to make sure you eat something, put some food in there. If you have high blood pressure, make sure a couple extra pills in there. Not a bad idea uh, for right. people old enough to remember the blizzard of '78, where people were stuck, you know, on some of the major highways here in Boston for three days. Uh, not having necessary medication with them uh, can be a real issue. Right, and even, you know, the diabetics with the insulin. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, that is very, very critical to, uh, it, well, it's life-threatening is really what it is. Yep. So, and again, <clears throat> to the Boy Scout mem- uh, model, be prepared. Um, I think next on the list would be to make sure that your battery is in top-notch condition. You know, have your favorite uh, place of repair. Just check your battery. 
uh, as you go in maybe for an oil change or whatever. And, you know, he's best trained to look at that battery and say, well, maybe you might want to consider replacing it. Again, you know, not starting your car and uh, being stranded in cold weather is not not very a good situation. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, you know, it's... Um the battery, the battery, sort of the lifeblood of getting the getting the car going on a cold morning, and and you know my day job is I work for AAA, and over the course of a winter, you know we probably go out and do here in you know New England probably go out and do a million jump starts. So uh, a lot of people right. aren't quite ready. Right, even jumper cables would be a good idea if you have a set uh, to throw in the car. Um, wipers comes next, you know, fluid um, because you know in in. In the winter, salt, certainly um, clouds or fogs, the windshield, you want to make sure that you have a reservoir of clean fluid in there and uh, making sure that it has alcohol with uh, winter freeze in it to make sure that it doesn't freeze up in your lines because that could become a safety issue. And one of my pet peeves is, is when I drive in winter, I see some people that don't take the time to clean their car before they leave their driveway or from home. You know, they just maybe do the front windshield, maybe a little bit of the back. But what we recommend is make sure you clean all of the glass all around the car. You need 100 or 360 degrees of visibility for, for safe driving. And, of course, that leads to making sure that you got a very good snow brush or mm-hmm. ice scraper, um, again, just to, to get that visibility factor. So. Those are the those are the key things with the vehicle that you know we have on our checklist and recommend to you know consumers and drivers. Yeah, it it really is important. And one of the questions I get a lot of times from people is, well, I'm thinking you know based on the last couple of years, I'm thinking about putting snow tires on my car. Can I get away with two? As a tire no. expert, what's your answer? No, we we recommend uh, well because you have different traction arrangements. You have front-wheel drive, you have rear-wheel drive, you have all-wheel drive. We recommend the best situation is to have four winter tires of the car at all times for the best balance. Okay, that makes sure that you don't have any understeer, oversteer conditions. All of the tires are working together, not counterproductive against each other. Certainly the drive axle will take care of itself, you know, with the traction, but you also need that stability for good handling and uh, maneuvering. And the other the other one that comes up sometimes is, you know, somebody has a conventional, you know, front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive car, whatever, not an all-wheel drive, and it's time to replace their tires, and they're getting two. And, you know, the old days always said, well, especially with a front-wheel drive car, let's put the two new tires on the front. But that's not the case anymore, is it? No, we recommend tire, the new tires go in the rear, and it's, it's, it's similar to the same principle of having matching four Again, you don't want to have um, – uh, you, you create an oversteer condition and maybe a loss of control and stability when you uh, put the newer tires up front or what I would say the better gripping tires mm-hmm. because the rear end can tend to fishtail and break loose on you. So we recommend if you do just install two, and we do not recommend we put uh, winter tires, we say put four, but uh, the new tires really need to go in the rear. Uh, so if you have four winter tires and just buying two, put the new ones, winter tires, in the rear for the best uh, stability and control of the vehicle. And my argument's always been, you know, 99% of the time I, it seems like people have rear flat tires, so why not put the most puncture-resistant tires on the back too, right? Well, that's true too. Yeah. Um, 
the way it goes is um, um, the front tires will lift with the object, and it's the rear tire that generally, and it's usually the, the right run because of the crown of the road, right rear is the mm-hmm. most sensitive to a puncture for that reason. So um, deeper tread certainly resists uh, that. Yeah, it it really it really does, and and uh, nobody likes getting a flat tire. Nobody likes having a change of flat tire. Uh, nobody likes trying to figure out where their spare is, especially if it's a failing new car, or even if their car has a spare. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a bunch of cars on the road today, and people people write to me all the time and say, "Oh, I just went out and bought the latest, greatest, something or other," and I was kind of poking around in the trunk and realized I don't have a spare tire. Yeah, it's a shock. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is true. Speaking of tire tread depth, um, as long as we're on that subject, we do as as part of your inspection and preparation for winter is is look at your winter tires and make sure that you do have adequate tread to get you through the winter. Now we recommend replacement um, at two thirty seconds mm-hmm. of an inch. We we design our tires to go for the full. Um, life of the tire down to there are wear indicators for and your uh, your local tire shop can help you with that but uh, one thing you might want to look at at the beginning of the year is if you have sufficient tread depth to get you through and you might want to talk with your local tire person just to uh, see and, and he'll help you out and guide you if you should purchase them or if you can wait but uh that tread depth uh, examination period is very very important you don't you don't want you don't want to run through the winter you know, below the two thirty second level. Yeah, it, it, you really don't. I mean, tra- traction is so important, and a lot of people think of uh, tire tread and traction about getting you going. You know, out of a snowy driveway, but it's also the thing that makes you stop when you need to. Well, it is, and a lot of people think during winter that you need to have ice or snow. But what one thing most people don't think about is the fact that cold weather itself. You don't have to have the snow or ice. Just the cold weather, a winter tire is designed for that environment, for uh, its rubber composition, is, is much more flexible for that gripping action, even even on a dry road. Right. So, yeah, uh, I was I was looking at a, um, a Ford uh, Mustang, a high-performance Ford Mustang, mm-hmm. and there was a note inside the car that said, don't take this out on days where the temperature is under 50 degrees. Because wow. it had these performance, you know, almost yep. like cup racing tires on the car, and right. they just turn into uh, they just turn into like hockey pucks in cold weather. They just well, they're not sticky. Well, they do, and there's also the cracking um, element too, because the tires are designed for the the warmer weather, you know, for that ultra grip. So when you get in cold, it puts another dimension of uh, environment in. Um, um, load on that uh, vehicle. I've seen different manufacturers, uh, different, I've seen uh, General Motors like on Corvette have a different temperature. So there's, there's, Mm. each manufacturer has a sensitivity on temperature, but the important thing is they're warning you that, hey, be aware of the cold weather. These tires are not optimal. And, uh, that, that's the point that they're making. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And for somebody who does drive their performance car, sports car, whatever the case it is, in the winter time, and they go put the four snow tires, winter tire, and I have to, I, you know, I'm an old guy, so it takes time for me to change my terminology around. But winter tires, we kind of get away from the snow tire word now, but winter tires on. Uh, how about 
uh, storage of the uh, summer tires. You know, it used to be that, uh, you know, people didn't think that much of it, but tires can be affected by all kinds of environmental conditions, whether it's um, heat, electric motors, all kinds of things can cause uh, the rubber in a tire to, to have some problems, right? Right. Well, ozone is the major um, chemical in the in the air that really attacks the rubber. Mm-hmm. So you certainly don't want to put it near like an electric motor if you're in your garage yep. or something like that. You don't want to put them in direct sunlight, you know, constantly. You want to store them in a cool, dry, dark place as much as you can. Um, if they're on the vehicle, you want to kind of take the load off if they can be raised your vehicle mm-hmm. or whatever. If you're storing the vehicle, you know, just... More or less common sense type things. Yeah. And, and tires will last. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody somebody I know made the mistake of they took their summer tires and they put them in, you know, extra large trash bags, wrapped them all up, sealed them with duct tape. And when they went to get them, they looked like they were sitting outside in a rainstorm. They were soaking wet, you know, covered with moisture. And the wheels all got sort of, I don't want to use the word damage, but pretty pretty ugly looking from sitting in this, you know, black giant trash bag that kept the tires. So a little bit of ventilation is good too, right? Right, right. Uh, you want to have good circulating air. Uh, and I imagine those wheels were probably, well, I don't know if they were steel or aluminum, but there probably was some kind of corrosive uh, yep. effect on, on, on those wheels. And, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, um, no. I think, just, I think just in a garage. In a in a in a corner away from anything that would uh, be electric, like a motor or anything like that, that's dry away from grease. It could be on the floor. You don't want that. Um, that would be a, a proper place to store yeah. the tires. And tires, even the best tires, uh, don't last forever, right? So. Uh, you know, at some point, you know, if you're somebody that's lucky enough to be able to keep their car for a long time and you're swapping maybe winter and summer tires back and forth, when they start to get to be 10 years old or so, it's maybe time to think about replacing them, right? Right. Well, what we recommend, John, is um, as, you, as you go in for your tire rotations or your oil changes or whatever, it's good to have someone just look at your tires uh, and every every trip uh, mm-hmm. just to make sure that there isn't any kind of external cracking from the weathering things like that. But what Michelin recommends is, hey, look, after a 10-year period of time, you pretty much reach the useful life of the product. And we recommend that you exchange tires Mm. after 10 years, assuming that you get that far without any kind of, you know, cracking or anything like that uh, from from abuse or service-related. Yeah. And we're fortunate enough out out this way, we have... uh the Sullivan family and all the Sullivan Tire and, and uh, Auto Care stores all around here, as well as uh, Barry Steinberg and his direct tire locations. So we have a we have a good group of tire retailers in this area that are happy to look at your tires, adjust the tire pressure, and yeah. um, you know, and send you on your way if that's all you need, or if you're thinking about buying a set of tires, they can help you with that too. Right, we uh, those are good uh, friends of ours, good good people, very knowledgeable, professional. And uh, we do we do a lot of business with both of those. I'd like to mention one thing, John, sure. before we didn't talk about tire pressure. And I think just just to remind your audience that um, let's just say that you had your oil change last in July when it was probably 80 degrees in Boston mm-hmm. or, or maybe higher. There is a temperature effect of for every 10 degrees drop, you lose one pound of pressure. So if you had your tires like in July degrees and today it'll say it's 50 or 40 you have four psi less just because of the temperature effect so 
One other thing that we want to make sure in our vehicles is that we do have proper pressure for the cold weather because that, that temperature drop tends to reduce pressure and, you know, just you just don't want to get um, into a situation with low pressure. So, so say, for instance, you had a football and it was aired up uh-oh, to a certain... Uh, no. <laughs> the NFL... Last time I was on the show, I remember you talking yeah. about well, it. Well, yeah, it's, it still comes up, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway, hey, Ron, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday morning to join us. Where can people find out more information about Michelin, Michelin tires, and all of these great we, car care tips? Everything that I mentioned, everybody can find on michelinman.com. That's our go-to website where you can find all of our products, but there's a lot of good service uh, and what we call Tires 101 and winterizing, uh, certainly here being November. You pay attention there, and everything I talked about is, is listed in there. So uh, in, in in your words, ready, set, winter, right? I, I use winter, right. <laughs> hey, Ron, right. thanks thanks a lot, and uh, stay, stay warm and uh, talk soon. Okay, it's always good to be with you, Jeff. All right, Bye-bye. take care. Bye-bye. That was Ron Magadana. He is the, well, we'll just call him the Michelin Man. We'll just call him that. That's that's the, that's the thing to do it. But check out the website, michelinman.com, is where you can find all this information. And, uh, you know, talks about some of the things and, and even some of the things we didn't talk about. Uh, you know, how about get a good coat of wax on the car before winter to help keep that salt and sand and everything else from adhering to the paint? Uh, today's paint on cars is... It's a water-based paint. It's an environmentally friendly paint. It's not as hard as it used to be. It's not. It doesn't stand up the way paint from the 60s and even 70s used to. So a good coat of wax on there. Uh, you know, there's synthetic waxes. There's carnauba waxes. Carnauba waxes, in my opinion, give that deeper, richer look to the paint. Uh, the synthetic waxes, I think, are protect a little bit better, certainly protect a little bit longer. Um, You know, also on his website, he talked about maybe switch over to a winter mat, uh, something that will protect the carpets, collect the water. uh, So water, salt, salty water is not good for a car. So these have grooves in them, uh, which help uh, protect the protect the interior of the car. You can buy them from a variety of sources and you can get them, you know, you can get the $30 ones from probably you know, a local parts store to the factory ones that might be $100 or so that custom fit and have the name of your vehicle on there. So a lot of different types of mats, and and that's good for the car as well. Uh, Make sure your heater and defroster is working well, not just for your own comfort, but also to make sure you can defrost the window when you need to. Uh, Sometimes if your heater's off a little bit, and it's not putting out that super hot air like it used to when the cooling system was working properly, on a certain certain weather conditions, it might not throw enough heat on the windshield, and all of a sudden now you find out your windshield's freezing up as you're driving, and that's not a good thing. So make sure the heater system works good. And like Ron said, the battery's important. The typical life of a battery in New England is just under five years. Uh, Some we see last 10, some we see last two, but the average is just under five years, so have it checked. Make sure all your lights work. Uh, Yesterday I had the uh, day off uh, because of Veterans Day, and I spent a little time out around the car and replaced a headlight bulb that was out, polished up the front lenses a little bit, put some air in the tires of of the car, just to check all the tires to see what kind of condition they are, checked all the fluid levels, make sure everything was good, topped off everything, uh, so make sure everything's full and just the way it's supposed to be. 
Why don't we take a quick break? If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Michael. Michael. Hi, Doctor. Good morning. Good morning. I'm having a uh, problem filling up my tank. The uh, nozzle keeps shutting off on me. Maybe it's full. I've done that the past two times I've uh, filled up. Um, what kind of car is it? a quick fix. Sir. Well, it might be. What kind of car is it? Mm. What there's a there's a, a a vent valve as part of the tank that's part of the tank system in every car that allows it to breathe when you stick the nozzle in there and it's either the and the valve can clog up over time and uh, it could clog up with something as simple as sand dust and spider webs. Right. Yeah. So it's probably that. Um, right. But. And it may just you may just find it just sort of uh, clears up on its own. My own car actually had that same problem, and I expected to see you know I expected to have to you know deal with it. And it was doing that. It was it was shutting off. It was you know you anything more than you know uh, uh, an easy pull on the on the gas nozzle, uh, it would just shut. It would shut off. It did that for about two. It maybe did that for two or three fill-ups, and then. It just kind of cured itself after a while. So, um, you know, maybe not, you know, don't give up on, you know, you can, you can certainly bring it in, you know, bring it into a garage and and have it, have it looked at and, you know, but what they're probably going to find if it isn't something, if it isn't something weird, like you, you know, you drove over a big rock and dented in the gas tank. um, Yeah, it's, it's probably, you know, and sometimes the, the fuel filler neck can sometimes be a problem. They can get. They can get rusty. What year did you say this was? Oh seven. Oh seven. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. It's not even ten years old, so I wouldn't think rust is a problem yet. Um, but uh, you know, I would, I would, I wouldn't give up on it yet. In other words, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite, quite, you know, bring it into the shop. I'd see if time fixes it first to see if that does anything a couple you know try a couple more fill-ups deal with it for a couple more times and if it's still doing it then it's going to have to go in and they're going to check the um the evap system and they're going to like i said there's a there's a vent on most cars and usually this vent can stick and cause some problems and you know that can that can sometimes that can sometimes be what what's wrong with it it's and on the jeep i'm 
I'm not sure what that actually uses, but um, probably. Uh, 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 where I fill up all the time, there's a mechanic there, and he said they'd have to drop the tank. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't think so. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a little. Uh, I, you know, he may be. He may be telling you. You know, that's what the worst that may happen. But I would look the fuel fill. The fuel fill. Um, has a vent line that comes off of it. It goes in most cars. It goes to a vent vent control, and you know it could be that. Could be the hose is clogged. It, it's a it's a number of things. It could be, but at right. this but at this point, I'd see if time just kind of fixes it on its own. And if it and if it doesn't, then you you need to you need to take it apart and look at it and find out find out what's really going on. But um, you know it's. You know, if they have to drop the tank, you know, you're looking at a minimum of a couple hundred bucks. Right. You know, just just to start to look at it. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Would so. Entire be able to, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anybody. Anybody can look at it. They they just need they just need a scan tool to be able to look at it. But Sullivan Tire is good. ASE certified. Um, you know, AAA approved shop. You know, certainly right. certainly those guys could look at it. But I wouldn't. I'd I'd, I'd give it one more fill up and see what happens. Like I said, my own car, my own car, I had exactly the same thing happening. You know, I'd pull into the gas station with a quarter of a tank. You know, I'd go to fill it up, click off, click off, click off, and I'm like, geez. And I and I was thinking, well, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, maybe I, I need to look at it. After a couple of fill ups, it just sort of corrected itself and haven't had the problem since. So, right. Yeah. You know, you might get lucky. Okay. All right. Take care, Michael. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. We are going to do a little bit of trivia today, and uh, we are going to do a car review. So it's probably a good time to do a car review, and good time, to, and uh, then we'll do a little bit of trivia. The uh, review this week is a 2016 Lincoln MKX. That's an upscale five-passenger SUV. The MKX comes in four basic trim levels: Premier, Select, Reserve. And black label. The MKX can be ordered in front or all-wheel drive. The standard engine is a 3.7-liter V6 that develops a little over 300 horsepower. Optional all models and in the car we're driving. A 2.7-liter EcoBoost that produces, so smaller engine produces 335 horsepower. My road test was in the reserve trim package with the optional EcoBoost and all-wheel drive. It included also included were heated seats, a heated steering wheel, active park assist, yeah, although the way I've been parking lately, I could probably use a car that parks itself. Uh, adaptive LED headlights, driver assistance package with lane departure warning, lane keeping assistance, front and rear cameras, and a premium sound system. On the road, this luxury SUV rides almost like a luxury car. It has adjustable suspension uh, that can be set at sport or luxury or com- comfort, I guess. I didn't actually notice a lot different. Um, I switched it from sport after a couple of days to comfort. Seemed about the same to me. Uh, the six-speed automatic transmission performs well, as does the all-wheel drive. Fuel economy is rated 17 city, uh, 24 miles per gallon on the highway. I've been averaging about 21, 22, I guess, right in that range. Um, the car also had the self-parking feature. Like I said, I could probably use it the way I've been parking lately. Blind spot sensors that seem to false an awful lot. Um, lately, it seems like wherever I pull up, or pull near something, uh, even pulling out of uh, the street I live on this morning, 
uh, it went off, and I'm like, there's nothing even nearby. So uh, this is good and bad with some of those sensors. That's some of the things you have to watch out for. The cabin in the MKX is very luxurious with plenty of attention paid to detail. The leather seems a little better than most. The fit and finish is first class. This car has a bunch of miles on it. This car has about 18,000 miles on it, which 18,000 road test miles is probably like 100,000 regular miles. And everything seems to be holding together pretty well. Uh, the sync system seems to work pretty well. The navigation system is good. The I was stuck in traffic coming home on Thursday night. Uh, the traffic alert system worked well. Uh, when I asked it to uh, uh, change radio stations and things like that, it did well. One of the things I really like, and it's just a novelty, is this sort of puddle light. As you walk up next to the car, it displays a light down on the ground, and it's a Lincoln emblem when it does that. So uh, sort of like the bat signal, only it displays on the car, which is kind of, which is kind of interesting. The shifter is a bit unique. It has a push-button arrangement, so no shifter lever. It's a series of buttons on the dash, which is a little bit, which when you first get in the car, you're like, okay, where's the start button and how do I put it in gear? Uh, once you get used to that, it works pretty well. The rear seat can fit three adults in relative comfort with a pretty decent head and legroom. The cargo area is a good size at 37 cubic feet and moves up to almost 70 with the feet with the seats folded. Our test model also had the panoramic vista roof, a huge sunroof. Um, I, I like sunroofs. Um, you know, that's one thing that I kind of miss in my latest car. The uh, MKX is some has some pretty unique trim levels uh, as well as this Lincoln black label theme. Uh, the two new ones, Muse, inspired by the fashion industry of the 20s, and Paris, and Thoroughbred, inspired by the uh, excitement and passion of pageantry of high-stakes racing. Eh, eh, good. Good for them. The bottom line is if you thought Lincoln was just a well-dressed Ford Edge, you'd be wrong. The MKX offers a very refined ride, smart, elegant design that stands out in the crowd, and uh, you know it has the, it has the uh, classic Lincoln grill. We'll see if that changes for 17 and 18 when they come out with the with where everything's going to have the continental style grill. Um, ours was in an allure blue metallic with cappuccino premium leather. It had a base price of 47550 with all the options. It was around $60,000. So pretty nice car. And we are going to base trivia on a Lincoln. Let's take another call. Let's talk to Ken in Topsfield. Hey, Ken. Good morning. Good morning to you. This is Ken and I appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Sir, got an, an 09 Volkswagen bug. Okay. We had, a, we had a 99 bug, and we got rid of it, and we ended up with an 09 bug. All right. Uh, and we happened, I happened to have snow tires on the 99 and on rims, Volkswagen 99 rims, and I kept them mm-hmm. and ended up putting them on the car yesterday. Mm-hmm. A pair of a time changing them. I think they were they had, they had been on so long or whatever the all season tires mm-hmm. had a tough time. But I got them off, mm-hmm. and everything went well. I put the new tires on, and bingo, I took the car to get it washed, and uh, the tire monitor light came on. I didn't know it had you know the tire mm-hmm. pressure monitor. I had noticed on the tires that came with the '99, they had the damnedest looking little valve stems that I'd ever seen, which. And, and it caught my notice, but I dismissed it. Apparently, this car has a tire monitoring system. Mm-hmm. Tires from the 99 on the Volkswagen rims just have old valve stems. Mm-hmm. So the light's on. Now, I assume, you know, it said if you had different wheels of tires, it could mean the pressure. I checked the pressure, and the pressure was dead nuts. So 
I'm wondering now that this light is flashing, if I know what it is, it doesn't uh, bother me. Well, it does bother me because I hate to see lights on. It shouldn't be. But living with that, in the spring, when I put the other tires back on, would this go off? Yeah, it, sh- it should. Um, what happens is there's there's different types of tire pressure monitor systems, and there's some that use um, there's some that use a uh, uh, a sensor that's built right into the tire. In your in the ninety nine, that's what they are, or in the in the newer one, that's what they are. It's a metal. It's a, it's probably a metal valve stem, and on yep. the bottom of the stem is a little radio transmitter. So the only way you could get the light to go off would be you'd have to carry around all four tires with you. So if you put all your old tires in the back seat, it would go off. Or put new put those tire monitor system on the on the valve stem. You could you could, but that's a lot of work. That's yeah, a lot, a lot of, work. of money. Probably. Yeah, yeah. You can you can actually get an extra set, and depending on the car, sometimes you can program more than one set, and um, so you can have kind of a summer set and a winter set, uh, but. Then what happened, a couple things have happened. Um, The typical life of a tire pressure monitor is somewhere between 7 and 10 years. There's actually a little battery inside there that when the tire starts to spin, it turns the the sensor on. And then uh, when that happens, it, it, it uses a little bit of electricity to send a signal to a receiver that's built into the car. In later models, um, they actually did away with it, and they went back to a much – simpler system that actually looks at how the tire rotates and a lower tire rotates differently than a fully inflated tire and it uses the ABS sensors and that actually turns it on. The one in your car actually is is more accurate, or at least it was when it was new, because it would actually tell you that 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 tire, a specific tire was low. The, my my oldest car in our family uses tire pressure monitor sensors, and it will actually tell us, you know, the left rear tire is low or whatever. But it's at the point where that car is 10 years old, and I wouldn't be surprised if that system's starting to get a little bit flaky over time. So, you know, back to your problem, what you've done is um, you've you've essentially defeated a safety system in your car. So if you went into a repair shop and said to them, hey, can you put my winter tires on, and they actually followed the rules, and they would look at the valve stems and go, I'm sorry, we can't, because we can't defeat a safety system. Can you do it? Absolutely. You know, you can defeat anything. You know, you can, you can, you know, you can take the seatbelts out and throw them away if you want. That's But a garage can't do that. So um, you're fortunate in your car, some cars, and I think Honda is one of them, that when you defeat, when you take the tire pressure monitors out of the system, those monitors also have something to do with the traction control system. So it wants to make the traction control system shut down. On the Volkswagens, they, I don't, all it does is just turn the light on. So, you know, can you put up with it for the wintertime? Probably. You know. Right. Well, I appreciate. Uh, when, when's your that. when's the car due for an inspection sticker? Um, about, about not till the spring, so uh, I'm good. Yeah, so in the spring, you put the other tires back on, the light goes back out, and the did you did you? Um, and I don't no, know whether that, the Volkswagen actually tells you left rear, right rear, if you have a low no. tire or not. No. Okay. No, but so I got a question: If that light was on that tire, which it is, yep. If I went for a sticker, it isn't a service engine light. Any light on will mean that you flunk your station thing? Um, I, uh, 
They've changed the, they've changed the rules again, but it used to be you could come in with an ABS light on and an airbag light on and you could get and a tire pressure light on and you could get an inspection sticker. Now, I think ABS is still okay. You can come in, airbag light being on has to the airbag system has to work and I think and I'll, I'll I'll see if I can look it up in between one of the breaks or something. But I think tire pressure monitor lights, they actually might be looking for those now. Right. That's cool. As yeah. long as I know what's what. I, yeah. You know, I'll live with it. I don't yeah. like it because that's me. Well, that, that's that, you, 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 right? you got you to you know, do the old you know, black tape on the, on the instrument panel and you won't see it. You know, it's crazy what makes us upset. Well, you know, I, I'm, the same, I'm the same way. Um, my wife's car, which is a newer Volkswagen, just had a check engine light on, and I scanned it and checked to see what it was, and I knew it wasn't going to cause a problem, but I, I probably drove it 300 miles that way until we got it back into the dealer for the warranty to get taken care of, and uh, it drove me nuts seeing the check engine light on. I'm, I'm the same way. That's because you're an autoholic. Is that what it is? Yeah. It could be that. It's okay. All right. It's fixable. Okay. All right. uh, I just want to say that every time I listen to your program and I try to listen to it faithfully, I always learn something. Even today with this guest you had on about the tires, storing them, I frequently store them in a plastic bag. I don't necessarily tie it up. Yeah. You know, I know. Yeah, make sure sure they breathe a little bit. Right. Okay. Well, thank you again. All right. The very best. All right. Take care. Bye bye now. 617 770 3030. 617. 770 3030. Let's talk to Boyd. Hey, good morning, uh, JP. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks. Um, yeah, I wanted to clarify once and for all. I wanted your advice about uh, snow tires on a Toyota Corolla um, and what you would advise. Here's the situation it's you know, with a 1.8 liter, um, good motor, front end is a bit, a bit light. Uh, and the tires spin quite easily when the roads are wet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be snow, just wet. You know, I mean, they, they, yep. they, they, in other words, you have to start off you know, with a light foot, you know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the tires will spin. And got good tires on. They happen to be uh, Dunlop uh, Signature 2s. And the, the two on the front are new. The, the rear ones are in good shape, but they're about to be replaced with something. So, um, you know, I, of course, uh, but then I started thinking, my uh, friend who owns this car, she's a little squirrely about driving and, you know, snow. Mm-hmm. She, I'm, I'm used to it, but she she is not. So she's thinking about getting um, some, some kind of alternative tires, you know. Uh, and I believe you told somebody on the air once that, you know, you got to replace all four with snow tires. You can't do on a front-wheel drive car, you know. But here's the question. You know, could a car like this have chains if necessary? Could a car like that have chains? Yeah, um, you know, if we're like, we, remember that storm? We had a, that, several years ago. It was around 2004, actually. 39 inches of snow. That's highly unusual. But but then, you know, year before, last, uh, last not last winter, the one before, you know, we were we had all February. And it it was just brutally cold, and the and the ice would never would not go away. So, you know, this, because she's squirrely about driving in snow, and she tries to do as little as possible. Um, uh, you know, my question is this: um, 
she can afford, and I can help her, you know, buy some good snow tires. However, uh, since she's about to replace the two rear tires with some, you know, can you? Is it not recommended to have two snow tires on the car and two and two uh, all season? Um, I, I think you know that would that mess up the handling of the car when the roads are dry. Have you have you considered moving to Florida? <laughs> I lived there seven years. Ah, uh, yes, I did. I went to college down there and everything. It was oh, Raleigh College in Winter Park, Florida. Yeah, they, uh, they, they yeah. you know that that could be that could be the answer. The answer could yeah. be Florida. Well, here's the thing. You know, I don't. I you remember the old way back in time when I was a kid? They, you know, the rear wheel drive cars, station wagons. You know, the old sleds. They put, you know, they, all right, here we go. Now throw the chains on the rear wheels. Of course, that's rear-wheel drive. Right. Push, pushing the car around. Now, um, I started thinking, um, can you use chains on, on a car like a Corolla, a front-wheel drive car? Um, you you know? could if you had the right kind. Um, yeah. If you remember, putting chains on a car is, A, uncomfortable, a lot of work, and yeah. with today's cars, the fenders and the tire clearance is so close, you have to be really careful, too. Yeah, so yeah. Um, there's actually a, almost like a fabric chain that you can put on that will just temporary. It's more to get you up a hill or something like that. Yeah, there's also right. cable chains now that ride a little bit better. But no matter yeah. what you put on there, it's going to feel like you're driving over a cobblestone road. You're better yeah. off really putting a set of four good winter tires on the car. You know, okay. something that's going to work yeah. well, that the rubber is going to be softer yeah. in cold well, weather. Yeah. And... Okay, well, that answers one question. Can you mix the tires? Like, uh, even though it's a front-wheel drive car, what if I moved the new tires from the front to the rear, rotated them back there, and put two snow tires, good snow tires, the two, they are, they are the uh, Pirelli P, P4s yep. uh, on, on, the, on the front and rear. They're, they are, you know, they match. But if I, when we get rid of the rear tires within, say, 10,000 miles or 15, maybe, you know, um, can you put um, snow tires, good snow tires on the front, just just the two, and the Pirellis on the back? Would that be doable? Because we don't get a lot of snow here. No. Um, um, they really should match because what happens, it's not as much about – Getting you going, it's about stopping because the the car could the car could oversteer a little bit, so you could jam on the brakes and the rear end could start to come around. Also, the ABS brakes are going to work a lot harder than they have to because they're going to try to stop the car with different coefficient of coefficient of friction. So you know they're going to stop differently. It's ideal if they all match. Could you just put snow tires on the front? Would that help? It would, but if you're a little bit of an aggressive driver, in certain situations, it could make it worse. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No, we definitely don't need that. No, no. So I guess for another $200, you know. Just yeah, I mean, I know it's expensive, um, you know, and it could be, you know, some some all-season tires work better than others. I, I know our, our newer car has all-season tires on it. Last winter when I was driving it, now we only had a third of the winter we had the year before and that was um you know that wasn't that wasn't a problem the tires were relatively brand new uh uh-huh. you know if we have if we have a a, a tough winter 
you know, it it really depends on the tires, tires, the winter, and the driver. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Say, uh, you know, well, this car um, is running excellent. It does not burn any oil. Mm-hmm. I a little breath, little blow by, perhaps. I put in a half a quart, perhaps. You know, only once in a rick, pretty well. You know, yeah. No, I, you know, the best, the best yeah, traction. It's just broken in. It's only got 260,000. Only, oh, as long as it's only, as long as it's under 300, you're good. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, this freaking engine is amazing. Yeah, yeah. no, no, you know, an oil, an oil change once in a while and change a coolant once in a while, it's a surprise how long it can last. Amazing stuff. Hey, anyway, boy, we got to get going. Right, we got to pay some bills. Yeah. All right. All right. Take well, care now. All, your- all right. Yep. Bye bye. And my other, my others. I'll go with the other suggestion too. Go to Florida. Doesn't snow hardly at all. Although it does get cold sometimes, and you know, winter tires maybe down there too. We need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Car Doctor program on Salem Radio Boston. We'll be right back. Listening to the Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. I promise I will do trivia, and that will be coming up right after we talk to John. John. Hi, hello. John. How are you? All right, how are you? Good. Got a question on a 2013 Civic. All right. Now, it has this maintenance minder, so you monitor the percentage of life left in your oil and filter. Mm-hmm. And it lets you track when you changed, uh, rotated your tires. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's supposed to do a lot more, like monitor coolant, maybe. Oh, it has, it has a whole bunch of little things that pop up in it. So basically, you, you see nothing about the life of the coolant until you get until a it, message. Until it tells you something, yeah. Yeah, right, and so and there is, you know, there, you know, there... There's sort of a, there's sort of a, I don't know. The, this we're still sort of out whether we really buy all the information out of it or not. Um, you know, there. I think on that there's like there's a code A and a code B, and there's like five other codes, and it'll say you know rotate the tires, replace the air cleaner, replace the transmission fluid, you know, replace spark plugs, uh, you know, check the valve clearance. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that pops up that can be either programmed into it that comes up when that little wrench pops up. Um, a couple of companies have tried to convert that into uh, sort of what we're used to, sort of you know normal normal service. Miles yeah. Time. So in other words, you know, it, you know, change the oil at ten thousand miles or once a year, you know, and right. then 
You know, and that's probably 10,000 miles is probably when the oil change reminder light's going to come on. Pretty 20, close, yeah. yeah 20,000 miles has a, a bunch of other stuff that really doesn't amount to anything. It's like, you know, check the brakes, check the CV joints, check the exhaust system. You know, there's a, there's a whole lot right. of series of checks that I don't know whether they ever actually get done or not. And then, you know, probably at, you know, the important one, is probably the coolant change, which um, which will pop up at a certain time. But yeah, there's um, all data. The the tech database that I use uh, kind of did this rough conversion. So and it's more it's it has less to do with customers and more to do with shops to say, hey, look, if you're still trying to recommend a you know a, a service interval for your customers, rather than have them wait till the light comes on and then ha- or wait till the little wrench pops up and then have them get all panicky. You can print out this list and it'll give you a, a, a rough approximation of what should normally happen. Um, all these systems use some sort of fancy mathematic algorithm that looks at you know how many car how many times a car started. How, how far it was driven, the temperature of the engine, and it sort of, you know, takes all that stuff and shakes it around and tries to come up with something. Now, whether it is, um, you know, how accurate it is, it's probably pretty accurate. Uh, you know, some of the some of the earlier systems that I think were better, for instance, it had to do with oil changes, uh, and I think Mercedes was one, it would actually measure moisture content in the oil. So it actually knew if the oil was starting to get contaminated. Now it's just sort of this, you know, fancy mathematical um, algorithm that probably is probably is as good, but, um, you know, still it, it's still not a bad idea to kind of look at these things and say, you know, does it hurt still to pop open the hood once in a while or should I just wait for the reminder? Uh, I've talked to people with Hondas that um, – that were engineers, and they actually followed the everything, and then they actually took a sample of the oil and sent it out to an oil lab to have it analyzed. And they said it was, you know, pretty typical of any car that you know was due, you know, about due for an oil change. So the systems are actually pretty accurate. And um, so it wouldn't be surprising that coolant was still not. Getting any kind of a warning at like forty five thousand no 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 probably probably you know I don't know I don't know when you know what the recommendation is but it's you know it's it's probably you know it's probably in the five year range I would guess so you know probably in you know fifty or sixty thousand miles maybe so you know that's probably um, uh, let's see. See if I could find something real quick. Was also saying like transmission fluid after like twenty thousand miles, which seemed a little. Yeah, that's no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean there there is there is a uh, you know there is a time, but but even if you took at you know even if you looked at something like you know what what's considered like severe service, if if you were using this car to you know as a as a taxi cab. You know, does Honda recommend a severe interval? Uh, yeah, around sixty thousand. So, um, and the same thing with um, with coolant. Let's see if I can find that here. You know, and again, this is going by a table that's supposed to come close to what? Um, wow. With the algorithms. Yeah, um, they're saying coolant won't last forever. One hundred and twenty thousand miles. Yeah, I mean, uh, he yeah. said 105,000. Yeah, yeah, so, 
Yeah, so yeah, spark plugs are 100 and 110 is how this table has it set up. So again, you know, the, the maintenance the maintenance is, you know, I don't want to say it's non-existent, but you know, other than a an, uh, an air filter every once in a while and a lot of inspections, a lot of, you know, check this, check this, check this, check this. And some of them are, you know, the the ones that always make me laugh are, you know, check the brake lines, check the fuel lines. Um you know what's going to go wrong with the fuel line on a 2013 car? Nothing, unless unless they forgot to hook it up at the factory. Nothing's going to go wrong with it. You know. The one exception seemed to be that the book said change the brake fluid at three years, which is just about where. Yeah, that's that's at. a that you know Honda's one of those companies that they have this um, they they have a a couple of extra things that they look at and um, and brake fluid brake fluid is one of those sort of under-checked sort of things because brake fluid can actually get, you know, picks up moisture. The moisture causes rust. The rust causes the ABS system to get a little flaky sometimes. In most cases, you know, most people probably don't get it done, but when they go in to get regular brake servicing done, by that time, by default, they're they're probably getting it changed anyway or they're, or, or they're doing something with it. So, um you know, even there, there, there was a guy I know who used to do regular servicing on vehicles all the time, and he would go out literally with a turkey baster and suck down enough brake fluid, not enough so he would let air into the into the master cylinder, but almost to the bottom. He would add fresh brake fluid, and he would do that every oil change with the idea that you're not changing all the fluid, but you're changing ninety percent of it. And every time you step on the brake, the fluid surges back and forth into the reservoir. So, you know, you end up by default you're putting you're putting fresh brake fluid in there and you're doing it quick and easy without having to you know without having to work at it you know at a, in a shop they put a pressure bleeder on it they just force a you know quarter fluid in and a quarter fluid out and you have fresh fluid and it washes all the dirt away so you, you know you have a couple things going on that that isn't really a a, a major problem so uh, you know looking at that i would just uh you know brake fluid again not a bad thing not a bad thing to look at but certainly uh you know important and you know minimizes rust buildup so some cars have very specific rules about brake fluid. Some don't. Uh, some say, you know, like your Honda, it's, if it's in there, if it, if they're making a point of putting it in the in the owner's manual as a maintenance thing, I would go ahead and get it done. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot, John. All right. Take care. Bye bye now. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Um, promise we'd do trivia. This is a little tricky one, I think. We did easy ones lately. This is a little tricky. And uh, it has to do with a Lincoln. And in 1984 and 1985, the Lincoln Continental, or sometimes just called the Continental, or sometimes called the Mark 7, maybe. But um, it had a very unusual engine in it. What what was so unusual about the an optional engine that could be ordered with the 84 and 85 Lincoln Continental? What was unusual about it? If you know what was unusual about it, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, and we'll, uh, we'll give you something. We'll, well, we'll definitely give you a, um, a magnetic magic finger from our, from our friends at the Busted Knuckle Garage. Uh, remember, if you want to order something from them, go to the Busted Knuckle Garage and put in BNG, Busted Knuckle Garage, 
little hyphen, put my name, John Paul, in there, and you should get a 10% discount. So save yourself some money. I think that's only through the end of this month. So do your do your holiday shopping early. Uh, before we go back to the phones, we got a email from a regular listener to the show, and he just recently bought a 2007 um, Lexus RX 350, so this Lexus SUV, so 10-year-old Lexus, and he had a couple of questions. The first one was, the car requires premium gas. Can I substitute regular gas without cars in your check engine light to come on? Yes, the gas quality won't or the gas octane won't cause a check engine light issue. Uh, it requires premium gas to get the most out of this engine. Can you run regular gas? Yes, you can. Um, what will happen? You might notice a little difference in performance. And depending on the car, you might also get a little less fuel economy. So do a little bit of do a little bit of your own math to find out if it makes sense to do it. But you won't cause any harm because Lexus puts a computer in the car. The computer adjusts the timing, so it won't cause any problems. He also says, does it have a timing belt or any other critical component that may need to be changed? It doesn't have a timing belt. It has a timing chain, so that should last the life of the vehicle. Can I use Denso parts listed on the Rock Auto website, or should I stick with the original parts from Lexus? Depends what they are. The uh, Denso parts could have been the original manufacturer for this vehicle. So uh, if I was getting something like an oxygen sensor, I would get the one that very specifically says this is the OE part, which they do have. So so I'd look for something that says OE part, uh, but for other parts, I wouldn't be too worried. I'd, I'd look for a good quality part. Denso is a good quality part. Like I said, they probably made the parts to start off with. Um, should I stick with original fluids for transmission, brakes, power steering fluid? Yes and no. Um, use the right engine coolant, the one that's designed for the car. Transmission fluid can be fussy. See if there is an equivalent fluid. Um, for instance, the uh, – let's see if I can figure this out. Um, there are – Different specifications for fluid. The automatic transmission fluid, for instance, in this car says use only genuine Toyota ATF. There is not an equivalent fluid. So they only want you to use that fluid. Brake fluid, for instance, it says use just any dot three fluid. So not a problem there. Coolant, um, they said uh, similar high-quality ethylene glycol-based non-silicate, non Nitrate, non-borate coolant with long hybrid organic acid technology with long life. So Toyota super long life coolant or something that all that other stuff, which there is. So there are some things that you can get away with and get away is not the right word, but uh, there are some things that you can use certain fluids for. Um, and again, you, you have to look and see what's, see what's out there. Uh, but I would, if I was doing a transmission fluid change, which, depending on the fluid, if the fluid looks good, I'd probably just leave it alone. But I would even think about having a quart of the Toyota fluid around just to top it off, just so uh, you're always putting the right fluid back in there. And um, he also wanted to know, are there any technical service bulletins or recalls? Well, there's a lot of technical service bulletins. The problem with technical service bulletins, you don't really know if they apply to your vehicle because they can vary depending on when it was made and how it was made and all of that. Uh, what I would look at 
is I would go to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website, put in your vehicle's vehicle identification number, and it will tell you specifically if there are recalls that apply to that particular car. Um, there is there are, there is a recall, and that's like all Toyota products, whether it's Toyota or Lexus, about the accelerator pedal. And so that's, you know, they want to make sure it's not going to get stuck. There's also some campaigns, which are like recalls, about a oil hose for the, uh, for the engine, and that may or may not be done. So that's something you want to check. And there was actually a warranty extension for um, cracked dashboards. If the dashboard has cracking in it, um, it is good for that. Uh, I don't know if there's a mileage limitation on this. But they were covering some on that, and that came out that came out within the last year or so. So that might still be under warranty. And there's also, like I said, this um, oil cooler uh, pipe that could be a problem. And on some of those vehicles, there was a there was a warranty extension on that. So if there is a weird oil leak, you know, see if that's actually uh, under warranty or not. And you may find that it is, and you don't have anything to worry about. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. Let's go to Kirk, who has a question first. Kirk. Yes, hi yeah. there. Hi there. How are you, John Paul? I am good. And yourself? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, pretty good. Uh, I, I, well, I cleaned my gutters yesterday and I didn't fall off my roof, so. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, uh, you, you were successful. Yeah. You came down the ladder all right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Live to tell the story. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the only thing you have no more harrowing is yes. it, it is, and especially it was windy, and and I'm yeah. a per, and I'm a big enough target for the wind. Yeah. You know, if you know what they say: don't fall. If you break your hip, you're freaking done. Yeah, that's it. Yep. <laughs> they just put you, you know, in a bed and say, "Well." Yep. That's hope right. Hope you get better. Anyway, uh, uh, I have a question, uh, but I also think I have the trivia. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I just want. All right. Know, if somebody huh? else wants. To okay. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're, if you've been a winner lately, you know, we should leave it for somebody else. Does uh, three, two and a half months count? Yeah, we're using a three month limit. Ah, uh, three months. It jumped up. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, I just wanted to find out what the answer was. Did it by any chance the? Well, don't, 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 don't say a word. No, don't no, say no, a word. No, don't. No, you'll find out. You'll find out like no, everybody no, else no, will. No, no. Hey, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, but, I know, but anyway, I'm not complaining because huh? it's all good. It's, yeah, I yeah. Mean, by the yeah. way, I really like you. Your show is so much fun. It's excellent. Thank it's you. A lot of fun every every week. All, all right. right. So we can skip the trivia question. Okay. So what year? What year was the Continental? It was uh, eighty four and eighty five. All right. But don't say anything. All right. Don't say anything. All right. But back to your question. What was your question? They, they let me out of the hospital at that point. Okay. Um, yeah. No. All right. The question has to do with. I have a sister, one of four, who um, would uh, well. She would like to own a four-wheel drive vehicle. Okay. You have te- no doubt in all the testing you do. And uh, by the way, I love I like your articles a lot in the AAA Thank newspaper. You. Yeah, really. Not, I always look forward to seeing that. It's the first thing I read. So uh, uh, she does. You know, she's not um, Donald Trump with a you know couple mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're looking for a good used something that doesn't have, you know, whatever. How much, really how, much, how much money does she have? 
All right. Um, she can spend um, probably 15, 16, 17. Okay. Almost, okay. Yeah. She's not a 20 if she has to. Okay. But, you know, I read an article, I think one of the, you wrote that uh, we were talking about a new a new Jeep, uh, the one the four-door kind of rang. Yep, with. yep. But it, had, it did lousy on mileage. Yeah, lousy. yeah. No, if I was looking for a used SUV... I would look yeah. at... Well, I, she's looking for any good four-wheel drive. Okay. By the way, do you own a four-wheel drive? Do I? Yeah, yeah. One, of our, one of our vehicles is a Hyundai Santa Fe. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, I know you like that vehicle. It, yeah, it's been... It's been well, other but, than I may have kept it a year too long. <laughs> but, you know, well, other well, than that... Other, another, a, okay, well, why did you say it's too long? Well, because the uh, rack and pinion steering unit went bad in it and... Uh, and then uh, I had it replaced with a good quality rebuilt, which went bad. And I had that replaced with another good quality rebuilt that wow. went bad. And really? and it, and they really were good quality ones, Isn't but that for highly unusual? yeah, it's really uh, unusual. So I, yeah, yeah, unusual. it it really it really was, and it was uh, one of those things that just you know I don't I don't know the rhyme or reason behind it. Other than that, the car's been actually a pretty good car, so I really can't I really can't right. complain about it. All right. Well, we all know Subarus in general. Uh, are, you know. Yeah, at if I had a if I had a look, I would go I would go Honda CRV, Toyota Rav yeah. Four, Subaru. All right, that's All right. that's kind of the. And that, what year for the? She's pro Toyota because she's had yeah. a couple that were, never yeah. any trouble, never any major trouble. Yeah, I with so Toyota the with the Force, the Rav Four. You know they made a yeah system. yeah. But here's my question: they they have plenty of horsepower. 185 in the newer one. Yep. But it had a four-cylinder, and they do well on fuel and all that. Yep. Um, did you, did you, what was your first? Uh, uh, the Honda, the Honda, the, Honda, Honda CRV. All right. Yeah, the Honda Honda CRV is not the most powerful car in the world, but it will do great in the winter time. You can find even some that you know are. are Actually, really kind of old that are still in great shape. Yeah, well, but but well, I would I mean, look well, I, with these cars today. I would look at newer years and higher mileage rather than older cars with low mileage, only because yeah. um, you get a little bit more technology in the car. And you know, don't you know if you're going shopping, even if you're looking for a car that's you know three years old and it has you know sixty or seventy thousand miles on it. Don't let that bother you. The, you know, cars today with just a little bit of maintenance go, you know, two hundred plus thousand miles with no problem. Right. Well, her father happens to own one of those. Oh, there you go. Well, he yeah. should just give it to her then. It's an older one. Uh, what would you consider? Um, I don't want to tie it up too long here, but um, the maximum mileage on a, a vehicle, let's say three or four years old. You know, with the money she's got to work with, you know. I mean, I would, you know, I would try to stay in the, you know, if I started looking at cars that had 125,000 miles on it, that, yeah. you know, that I, I would probably try to, I would probably try to stay, you know, south of 100,000 miles. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I don't want to drop names, but Consumer Reports, Consumer Guide. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, the best used cars and the worst. Yeah. They, you know. Is there a particular year, CRV, that was, or, or a couple of years, where I know they're overall been very reliable. Yeah, over but, overall know, they've been good. There's if been we're going, if we're going back three years or whatever. No, if you're going back 2012 and newer, I mean, you may find a couple little glitches here and there, but I, but I think you know, 2012, 13, 14, 15. 
you're, you, you know, even back to 2010, I don't think you're going to see much problem in a Toyota, a Toyota or a Honda, really. It's going to be more, was all the maintenance done on the car the way it should be? Was the car yeah. driven reasonably? Know, did they have any really particularly excellent, reliable, year, you know? No, I, you know, you're going to find some that, you know, and one of the things with Consumer Reports, and Consumer Reports is great, it's, you know, a lot of their issues are reported, you know, it's all customer-reported issues, and sometimes, and part of the problem is, you know, you tell you tell a thousand people to go buy a Honda because they're perfect, and you know, six or seven people have a problem with, I don't know, the, the car didn't start one day, and all of a sudden now it's a lemon, and they all of a sudden it gets, you know, it gets knocked a little bit. Where in fact it's more about, well, you know, cars are occasionally going to have a problem, so you know, right. you, you do need to think about that. But no, I mean, I would look at overall condition. The other thing I'd look really carefully at is to make sure that it wasn't hit. So I would want to look, you know, you know, sight the whole car down, make sure all the seams line up properly, make sure all the paint matches the way it should. Um, that's one of the problems. Those cars are so popular. There are some cars out there that were, you know, they were wrecks two weeks ago, and all of a sudden they're back on the market. And, you know, you wouldn't know it until you really start to look at it. So really, really look at it, you know, look at it like, you, you know, it, it meant the world to you. Make sure everything looks like it lines up well. Um, look for things that almost look like they don't belong. So, in other words, if there was a pinstripe on the car, and Honda never put a pinstripe on, why does this car have a pinstripe? Well, maybe because uh, whoever yeah. whoever exactly. bought it, whoever bought it as a wreck, painted it and put a pinstripe on it to add a little color to it, and uh, maybe to try to it. yeah. Like so, a detective, like a detective. exactly, detective. exactly. Put your best Sherlock Holmes hat on. Little little things that uh, some people might miss. But, yep. but it's fun. Uh, I know. Now I'm, I know I'm really pushing it now. But with for for a good price, would you be willing to check the vehicle just for about the things you just said? No. You know, no. Sorry. You don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not really. There's a lot of good shops out there that can do that. You know. Um, you know. Uh, Junior's Automotive in Hyde Park. You know, in down yeah, in Middleborough. Yeah. We live on. We live on uh, Cape um, you live. What town? What town do you? What town do you live in? South Yarmouth. South Yarmouth. Yeah, yeah. You know, in rated as one of the best triple A's. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've I've only been there once, and it was good. Yeah, yeah. You know, any any one any one of the triple A shops can do a good used car inspection for you. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Take care, Kirk. We got to get going. All right, all right. Let's go over to. Let's see who who who's so smart here. Let's go over to Steve. Steve. Hi. Good morning, John. How are you this morning? Good. How are you? You have a guess in trivia. Yes, I'm going to guess that that was the uh, the years that they offered the engine with the cylinders that could deactivate at a certain speed to cut it down from you know eight. No, that was not it. So close, but not it. Uh, okay, well, I tried. All right. All right. Good try, Steve. Have a nice day. You too. Thanks, John. All right. So what what was the unique engine that was offered in 84 and 85 in the Lincoln Continental? Let's try Mike. Mike? Morning, John. Good morning. Uh, how about a turbo diesel 6? How about a turbo diesel? I'm not sure if it was a 6 or 4. It was a 2,500cc, and what was unique about it was it was made by BMW. Yes. Um, according to Wikipedia, it was. 
Well, I, I don't. It was, I, you know, I and you know, if you talk to somebody at BMW, they'll probably say, "Well, it, uh, yeah, you know, we made it, but we made it to their specification." <laughs> I have only seen one, and the one I saw was a disaster. And it was, and it wasn't that it was that old, but I just remember the thing was leaking oil everywhere. It was just a horrible car, but. Um, and, and it was combined, you know, you combined it with the airbag suspension that they had back then. So, you know, I can only imagine, you know, this day, if there's any of these still floating around with the BMW turbo diesel and the air suspension, there's going to be one person out there that thinks it's the best car ever made and somebody else and everybody else out there is going to think it's just a rolling, uh, a rolling, uh, uh, safety deposit box to put your money in that you'll never get back. So especially BMW anyway, yeah. um, yeah, may I? I was going to call anyways. May I ask you a question? Absolutely. You touched on on the car you drove. Oh, you talked about Park Assist. You know, I guess that's the one that actually parks the car. It I does. Want, I want to ask you about the sensors. You know, the, mm-hmm. they give you proximity to, yep. you know, to the side and front. Is it possible for those to be either lowered or somehow changed so that you would be aware of the parking barriers? Because of, you know, the lower aerodynamics mm. of cars, typically they tend to be a little bit... Lower and more air Yeah. You've got um, the front. Not something with something that could be done that would let you know it's not just the car you're concerned about. Or it's the the barrier. Yeah. That, you know the concrete. Yeah. The curb not that. Not know. that. Not that I've ever seen. In fact, they're very. It's there's a certain amount of precision to get them back where they belong, like after a car crash. So okay. I, I, you know, probably there's probably some way to do it, but not that I've ever seen. Here's a here's a pretty good tip for. Um, the front parking lot bumpers, you know, the ones that everybody drives over and, you know, leaves half the front of their car and on the other side of. Uh, if you're pulling up to a, par- a series of parking spaces and do it with a line, you know, uh, I'm staring out at our parking lot now and just the lines in the parking lot. But if you pull up to a parking space and you look out your left or right side view mirror and line up the bottom of the side view mirror to the whatever you want to park in front of. So you look off to the left, you look at your side view mirror. It, when the bottom of the side view mirror comes comes up to that line, you're going to be about 12 inches away from that parking lot bumper. Oh, okay. So you use the line, the back yeah. of the line as to let you know that yeah, you so, that so much. Yeah, so if you're pulling up, so if you're pulling up to, you know, in some of those, they put those parking lot bumpers or they put curbs at the last parking space, you know, in front of something. If you pull up and you look out your side view mirror and you look at the bottom of the side view mirror and look out at, you know, just kind of gaze out at the, the, the edge of whatever you want to park in front of, when that, when the bottom of the mirror lines up with the edge of that, parking lot bumper or whatever it is, you're going to be about 12 inches away. The, your front of your car is going to be about 12 inches away from that parking lot bumper. Yeah, you know, John, I just it, just out of curiosity, just like the the uh, Honda doesn't have the uh, outside rear view mirror, mm-hmm. you know, uh, blind spot monitor flashing light, yeah. why wouldn't, you know, couldn't you just, from the manufacturer, built that in so that it would at least let you know you're getting close to that, you know, instead mm-hmm. of having it in the center of the bumper, maybe lower down. I mean, it just seems. Yeah. That no, I, you know, I, I, I would like to see more. You know, with the way wheels and tires are so expensive now, um, and a couple of manufacturers are doing it. They're putting uh, cameras on the sides of the cars. But so many people ruin wheels and tires by parking up next to a curb, and they, you know, chip the wheel. They, you know, puncture the tire. They, or at least they do some damage to the tire, and that could be eliminated by some sensors to say, hey, you're getting too close to the curb. Yeah, that three sixty or surround yeah, kind of thing yeah, you're looking at. Yeah. I know what you 
Yeah, no, those are those are systems that we may start to see a little bit more of, uh, because, like I said, you know, you can you can you you know if you chip a if you chip a wheel and bang up a tire, you know, all of a sudden now that's you know that could be you know eight or nine hundred dollars. So, yeah, I, I yeah. hear you. Yeah. Well, I will say I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. I thank you for your show. I appreciate uh, it. All right, time, so. all right. So, uh, so stay right there. Karen will get your address down, and we'll uh, we'll mail you out something again. Okay. All right, thank you. And let's go over to Rick because we got a couple minutes left. Rick. Okay, John, here we go. Um, you talked about tires earlier and the winter weather and that. Yep. What about the people that, are, that live up here in Boston and that, but go down to Florida or someplace down south for a couple of weeks during the wintertime? Uh, what type of tires should they have? Because where you're driving in both you know, snowy conditions and on dry roads or just wet roads? I don't care about the people who go to Florida. <laughs> oh, you're so heartless. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're going to Florida. They're, get, they're getting away from the winter. No, in general, a good all-season tire, and this I'm, I'm kind of dating myself a little bit, but a good all-season tire will do about 60 to 70% what a, snow, what a winter tire will do because the compounds are a little bit softer. They're better yeah. in the rain. They're better in cooler temperatures. Are they a substitute for a good winter tire? Not really, but they're but they're they'll get you. They'll do what you need them to do, as long as you don't ask too much. Yeah. But if well, but if it's, but it's, for instance, if you sure. just decided you're going to buy a Corvette, and you and your first real trip with your Corvette is going to be um, to Florida for the winter time. You're probably fine driving down there, and in in Florida, warm weather, you're nice. But on your return trip back up here, when the when all of a sudden the temperature drops to you know ten degrees and it starts to snow, that's not the tire you want to have on the car. But if you're driving down in a you know in a I don't know a Chrysler minivan, and it has all and it has all weather tires on it, have a nice time in Florida. You'll probably be fine. Just be aware that you know don't. Don't pull out into a foot of snow because the tires just aren't really made for that. But they're a compromise, so you know, and and a and a fairly reasonable compromise. Oh yeah, I just you know because you're talking about tires and yeah. I just say, yeah. hey, what about the people that you know just yeah. going to have driving yeah. both types of weather, yeah. you know, for the next yeah. three, four months? Are you going to be one of those people? Well, not to Florida, no. But I'll, we'll be uh, visiting uh, family down in South Carolina. Oh, well, okay, all right, all right. Hey, Rick, we got to get going. Okay. All right. You as well. Take care. Bye bye. Hey, look, it's Sully over there, and he's wearing long pants. It must be officially cold weather. It's cold out there. Yeah, freezing. Yeah, but you, you know, I, I always, I always know when the seasons change by, by your, by your ensemble. October. No, what is it? November now. November twelfth. Yeah. Hey, see that uh, Toyota out there in the parking lot? Yes. What a lousy parking job that guy did. Oh, my gosh. If, if there were two cars in the adjacent spaces, I'd be fine. But don't put me out in the nowhere. Look at that. It's horrible. And you had your vision corrected, too. So you know. Well, you, you know, I have this exo-deviation in one of my eyes. They don't line up properly, and obviously they don't park when there's no other cars to avoid. So Yeah. I, 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 don't, know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's my... It's, that's the lousiest parking job I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you and you and you were you were a little critical of me the other I know. a couple of weeks ago. No, yeah. that that's bad. Yeah, yeah. From this perspective, you yeah. know, I, I got out and I said, "Yeah, I'm over the line a little bit," but yeah. you know, huh? <laughs> yeah. See, 
See, Karen, post that. Will yeah, you? see, when, you, when, you, when you're when you sitting up high like Don't this. let the uh, DMV see it. Or, yeah, that's right. okay. It's okay. They, you know, that's the great thing about living in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. They don't ask much when you go get your license renewed. No, they don't. You know? No, they don't. And I found out when they do the eye test, yeah. they only want like three or four right. I know. I always thought they only let you miss a couple. <laughs> they don't really care. I was legally yeah. blind and I passed it once. <laughs> Don't tell uh, anyone that either. Yeah, well. No, no. Well, you, you, uh, that's a joke, everyone. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's, um, a, it's a hyperbolic uh, uh, It is, it is. Yes. But uh, your your favorite story when, when you had your more serious vision problems was the twins that you had for students? No, no, they weren't oh, twins. That, oh, what I thought they were. You thought they I, were I mixed twins. them yeah, up. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. They were both five-year-old girls with blonde hair. Yeah. And so I would call one the other and the other the yeah. other all through the year until I finally had the miracle surgery. <laughs> and then I went in the next day and saw them, and they didn't look anything like each other. No wonder people were laughing at me. Yeah, well, that isn't the only reason. Why do you always call me Meryl? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. You look like you look like yeah, Meryl yeah. to me, yeah. and she looks like um, what was it, Kathy? I think. Yeah. Well, anyway, As such is the world of the five-year-old. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, Veterans Day was yesterday. It was. Uh, you got anything planned for Veterans Day for uh, Irish Parade? My, I think I've told you this before. My cousin died in Vietnam, so, uh, you know, I have a, an affinity. And my dad mm. fought in World War II, yep. so I have an affinity for people who um Did he know my father? The country that, yeah. Did he? Yeah. 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 You know how many veterans of World War II are still alive? Not a lot. A couple hundred thousand, like 600,000. Really? Yeah. Wow, a lot more than I thought. Yeah, well, there were like 21 million people. Who, <laughs> that's true. Who that's true. Yeah. Or maybe it's not that yeah. high. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm off. But somebody, if, if I'm off, somebody will correct me. That's yeah, the beauty of radio. Well, yeah. Most likely will. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but the, yeah, I, I have an affinity for anyone that uh, puts a uniform on, and uh, whether you know, whether they're stationed overseas or work here, um, hats, hats off. Absolutely. Tip of the cap. That's right. Hey, we got to get going. The very best in Irish music with Paul Sullivan, the Irish Hit Parade, coming up next. Until next week. And make parking sure... tips. And parking tips. Yes. All right. <laughs> Not from him. That would be a bad idea. Until uh, next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.